Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. Oh, now, wait a minute, Eve. I seem to recall that this house has some connection with the Revolutionary War. There, there, are, there are no patches on the elbows of, of this jacket, thankfully. Obviously, for obvious reasons. That said. I mean, didn't George Washington sleep here once? I think, um, I, I, uh, I forget who I heard say this, but they, they made the, the comparison of, to, to continue the analogy of, of you know, heliocentrism. You talked about the fragility of Minnesota, the way that they've like taken some arrows through these games and they've kind of had letdowns after it, but yeah. they've come back here now swinging this small lineup with Nate Knight. Lee, corner three, off the mark, another offensive rebound for the Suns. Craig steps into a three and drilled it. <laughs> play where it looked like you were at the scores table didn't know to check in was there just confusion over who you were going in for in the second quarter there yeah I mean we knew what the we knew what happened um I mean I don't know that's all I got second quarter there I don't know that's all I got second quarter there I don't know that's all I got second quarter there now I'm going to uh, change the subject a little if that's all right with you what and overall the season, how would you judge your play? My play? What? No judge right now. Too early. Any general thoughts on how the team's playing then? What? Uh, no judge right now. I don't wanna I don't wanna do that. What? I don't wanna do that. What? I don't wanna do that. What? I don't wanna do that. Okay. I found out that you had been beaten brutally by... This is Nerdish You Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. Hello! With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Parkow. Mr. Washington then asked George, Do you know who chopped down my cherry tree? He looked straight into his dad's eyes. He said, I cannot tell a lie. I did it with my hatchet. Here's Johnny! It's Friday, so you guys know... It's time for Nerder. Hello, and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. She wrote. I'm not Dave Dufour. Uh, Dave, unfortunately, not going to be able to make it today. I'm one of the other co-hosts, Mo DeKeel. With me, as always, is Seth Partnow. Seth, how are you doing? Doing great today. Shout out to Dave. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Dave. We will do our best not to completely screw this up and burn down the entire podcast network at The Athletic. And to make sure we don't do that, we brought in the adult in the room, John Hollinger. John, what's up, man? If I'm the adult in the room, you guys are host, okay? Uh, Okay, then this is going to be very interesting very quickly. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, this is going to be a fun pod, and as we always start out, we always start out with our favorite things. John, I'm going to go with you. What's your favorite thing today? Can we put Tyrese Halliburton in the All-Star game? Is is that ridiculous? Is that is that absurd? Like nobody's really talking about him, and it's you know it's Indiana, whatever. No one really watches him, and like he's been awesome. (laughs) He's been great. The the uh, we're recording on Thursday. The shot he hit on Wednesday night 
that should have been, it was a long two. That's what pissed me off. But he hits his three against Jokic and then just immediately starts talking trash. I'm sold, John. Put him in the all Yeah. Yeah. It was a, yeah, the moon, it was, it was a deep moonwalk, like from the paint all the way backwards. I was like, how did he, how did he do that and not travel? Do you think he uh, yelled out hee hee while he was moonwalking? He, he, he might have, yes. I am um, okay with that that call. I also would like to in Indy see Ben Matherin play more than twenty low twenties minutes a game. Shouldn't it's weird that they're starting their second round draft pick ahead of him, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make much a potential rookie of the year. Can he win a rookie of the year and six man? He had 30 off the bench. Yes. Yeah, he's been he's been really good. I don't know. That's interesting about the sixth man part because nobody's really thought about him or talked about him for that yet. But he's he's been tremendous as a scorer. There are areas where he definitely needs to get better. You know, passing the ball, defending that kind of stuff. Um, but I mean, offensively, just as a scorer, he's just been lights out. Yay points! No, but unlike a lot of yay points guys who who end up in the six, six man of the year role, uh, he's a guy who is efficient has been efficient so far first i mean he's just blistering from three but uh and i wrote about this earlier this week in the athletic he is um having uh for for a rookie a pretty historic season getting to the line and just the especially for as you're figuring out what is and is not a good shot in the nba just getting yourself at you know four five six kind of easy high efficiency points a game just just getting yourself fouled getting to the free throw line it's it's super impressive that the list of players who as rookies averaged eight or more uh, free throw attempts per hundred is a murderer's row of some of the, 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 the better player, the better young players of the last, you know, tw- couple, couple decades, anti-Reese and anti well, um, who was a pretty good player, but yeah. You know, the problem, John, with your, let's get him Halliburton to the all-star game. We started with Halliburton and we spent more time talking about Matherin. That might be the issue in terms of trying to get him into the all-star game. That might be the challenge. Proving his underratedness by not talking about him, even when we talk about him. (laughs) I mean, you you mentioned a a highlight play that that Halliburton made, but there's, I've, I've, uh, I've taken to calling Cade Cunningham an album cuts player. And I think Halliburton, while he does make highlight plays, I think he's a little bit like that and it's the it's the the sort of the the uh, accumulation of just good basketball play after good basketball play yep. that really makes up his that 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 makes up his his contributions without necessarily the volume of highlights that a noisier player might have. Yeah, I mean he's just he's just a hell of a player in that sense. Seth, I'm going to skip you. I'm going to go right to my favorite thing uh cuz I got two of them. One of them is uh just rather silly if you haven't already, folks, please go watch D'Angelo Russell not realizing he was supposed to substitute into a game, uh, resulting in the Minnesota Timberwolves having to play five, uh, four on five against the Phoenix Suns on defense. And it, the Is funny thing difference? was... No, that's true. But like the funny thing was like, I don't even think the coaching staff realized it right away. Like they were yeah. pointing to everybody like, go cover him, go cover him. I don't think they realized they were a man down. And then of course the... The Suns missed the first shot, but they get the offensive rebound because, alas, they have an extra man uh, or actually have the correct number of men on the court. And then uh, Russell kind of realizes that and then comes running into the game that the the Suns score anyways off of the offensive rebound. But he thought he was coming in for the shooter off of a missed free throw, <laughs> off of a free throw <laughs> attempt. And it's just comedy. It doesn't. Yeah. I don't understand. if it, I, I just don't know how you do that. 
I've, I've never, I've never seen that before. And we're, yeah, we're I, so all about the vibes and the vibes in Minnesota are, are bad. Very bad. Yeah. yeah. So quickly the vibe. I mean, I don't know if the vibes were ever good, but just, it was neutral. It had to start at neutral just cause that's where vibes begin, but it went down so quickly. Like just, I mean, it must've been, you know, early in, in training camp with, with the vibes, but the more, the more fun, and well, that's fun. Actually, the, the more basketball uh favorite thing of mine is just pop with end of game plays, you know, yes. Again, against Memphis, they need to, uh, they have a chance to win the game. He runs a cross screen action to get Keldon Johnson, a post up who just misses an easy look, you know, a, a, a bunny to that would have won the game and then runs a uh, Devin Vassell off a pin down at, towards the end of overtime to try to get an open look for, to uh, win the game. He misses it, but still two good looks from pop. And I'm just happy as you know, Seth, more than anybody else. When coaches run plays at end of games, I'm happy. So I'm going to highlight that one that happens. So when you say a play, like I, cause the play I always like to do is just have a guy dribbling at half court for like 12 seconds while the clock runs down and then he ISOs against the whole team. Yeah. Like that's, I would, I would want to kick you for that. (laughs) (laughs) There are specific, there's, there's a specific instance where I will defend the dribble at half court for 12 seconds. And that's specifically in a tie game shot clock off just because the importance of ball in the air at triple zeros is just massively dwarves like your shot quality, just taking losing and regulation off the table. But I think as we've talked about a ton on this show, like the, the whole slow it down, dribble at half court prevent offense stuff is, I mean, I, we can, we can, I think we can almost say that it may have cost Boston a championship last year. If, if, if not directly in the finals, then the fact that they had to play two, seven game series to get to the finals that they probably shouldn't right. have had to play. If right. they had just like been able to close games out with decent offense. I mean, they've had bad for, for to be honest, Boston's end of game offense is, is just bad. It was bad last year. Uh, they nearly gave up the whole lead to the, to the trip to the finals against Miami off of that. Jimmy, I wish you pulled up for three. I don't care what anybody says. Um, yeah. But the uh, that I mean, that's just the case. But we see it a lot. Of, we actually see it with Cleveland a bunch. In it, right now, this iteration, kind of seeing it. We saw it, Seth, in the game we, we did on playback, I think is a interesting one. But Seth, what's your favorite thing? So my favorite thing is a lesson that we relearn every year. And I'm learning the hard way. Uh, in I Before the season, I, I uh, was I thought the, the Detroit Pistons would be frisky. And this is the, the reverse of my favorite thing. My favorite thing is is just remembering the importance of having five good NBA players on the floor at all times. And I, I forgot how much the Pistons would be spending with not good NBA players on the floor. But by contrast, the, the 10 and three Utah jazz basically at all times have five legit good NBA players on the floor at all times. And not only is that just, you know, you win a lot of games, it's fun to watch. And it's just, it's, it's, just having guys who can, who can, who you don't have to worry about this guy's a liability. You don't even need the best players. You just need good players out there. And I, I just like seeing that. I mean, John, you just wrote about him. Yeah. And, and the Cavs, actually, everybody we're talking. This, yeah. is, this is a, this is the perfect time to have you on. 
Yeah. Yeah. Jazz Cavs trade. Yeah. Setting, setting up our uh, finals matchup, right? The, uh, the Donovan Mitchell deal. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Would, can, can Rudy get a courtside seat for all the games? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is a question I asked, I, I've, I've been wondering about, um, at what point the Cavs being good, I don't think is a total surprise to anybody. At what point do we just give in and say the jazz aren't surprising? The jazz are good. Are we there yet? Uh, there's been some, uh, there's some aspects of Jedi defense that have, that have helped their numbers. I think offensively, I think they are just legitimately good. Um, uh, I, j- I just wonder if they're going to start losing 135 to 130 at some point. At a, at a certain point, you think it's going to, the, the offense is slowly going to give out a bit. Just, just they're playing at an unbelievable pace. I don't know how much that's tiring. All that, all that, that kind of movement and stuff with, with everything that they're doing and things like that. I wouldn't be surprised. And I mean, can Markin and keep this up? We're talking about Halliburton being a potential all-star. I mean, Markin is another guy we got to look at early yeah. and, and, like he should be an all-star. Absolutely. Yeah. And he wasn't even making the, he made six of eight last night, but he hadn't even been making threes. Like he'd been, he'd done all his damage inside the arc. Yeah. He's shown a knack this year of, of getting some really timely offensive rebounds. Like I, I did not expect Laurie market and bully ball to be a thing, but there's been at least two games this year where really kind of uh, key plays have been marketing, grabbing an offensive rebound in traffic and getting a put back. And, um, you know, I think that, that just the, the versatility of his game has been so, so impressive. Um, but that, that does the question who's there. Do they have a, do they have a single plus defender and is their best defender a rookie backup center? <laughs> I was going to say Walker Kessler. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and I think that's, you know, I, yeah, for, yeah. Is that probably is a bigger playoff problem than regular season problem, but you're right. They're probably, they probably are going to, even so the fact that they're even in discussion for not even a play in spot, but like, would it shock you if they were like the fifth seed out West? I did not anymore. No, no. Which is, which is such a crazy contrast to where we started the season on what we we thought was going to be the Utah jazz. Yeah. You, You know, I think that was more that. And of course, if they're, fifth seed since we're already giving out awards and stuff like that coach of the year is going to will hardy i mean i think that would be a obvious uh easy uh play right there but speaking of coaching guys i have something i want to bring up i don't know if you guys caught the steve kerr quote the other day i think it was after their loss to orlando but it was really just talking about developing young guys while trying to be a very good basketball team. And what he means by that in terms of like, do you find the minutes for Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman, uh, Moses Moody? It's it's a, a challenging scenario for them. The Warriors have started out pretty slow. Jordan Poole's not playing well, largely to the point because look who he's playing with on the court most of the time. It's It's more challenging for him. But it just led to the question of, can a good championship level squad develop young talent at the same time? It's the question of two timelines on the same team. So I, I, I want to push it to you first, John, like you, you were with Memphis. You, you, you had a big run there. What, what's your view of this? And then, and then we can kind of dive deeper eventually into the warrior side of it. To me, this is, this is what they did successfully with Jordan Poole. 
And the way they did it was by sending him to the G League. And so I think the problem is that the Warriors built their roster in such a way that Kamingo, Wiseman, and Moody have to play on their action, on, you know, for the varsity right now. And if they could get away from that and get them, like, even, you know, Wiseman, I think they started from the get-go, like, force-feeding minutes. And, like, I actually think just going to the G League for 20 games would really help him maybe. Um Moody is maybe a little different. Uh, Kaminga has already played in the G League, obviously, but I, I still think like there's there are just so many moments where they still need to figure out what they're what they're doing uh, out there. I just I just wonder if they if they'd have been better off just getting those guys games at Santa Cruz and getting more. I guess, trustworthy veterans in, in some roster spots. The problem is they don't, you know, if they're trying to stay at 14, the expense of the roster and everything, they need guys on rookie contracts. So they're in a little bit of a tight spot. I, I, I think you are, you are going to hear some things from the alumni network because this sounds like uh, shots being fired at uh, NCAA champion Ty Jerome. <laughs> when, you're, when you're saying you need trustworthy veterans, are you are you suggesting that? Um, no, I think I think you're right. I think I, as you I, you rightly pointed out, I think Moody's a different case in that he sort of his skill set is is a little more kind of plug and play, and like he can you know he can guard and isn't expected to be like a ball and hands guy much on offense. I think they can probably find some find some reps for him and, and a wing defender with size. But, oh, uh, I, I, I mean, we've talked about this a number of times on this pod. I don't think Wiseman is a Golden State player. I just, I, I think that we've seen it in the past that guys, there are talented players who, because they play such a high decision style, just aren't really ever going to get the best out of their talent. And in a more structured system, like his physical talent could take over a little bit more. And I just, I, for a guy who's just not played a lot of basketball, I just don't think that you're ever gonna he's ever gonna be the floor reader that like a Kevon Looney is. Right. Well, I, the one thing I'd say is it took Looney a while to get to being the floor reader. Like it wasn't something like honestly, it took like four or five years. And it's a hard system in general to try to learn in in defense of Wiseman. Again, like I've said, I'm just giving him the whole year. I think it's, it's, I want to give him the stuff, but you're right in the sense of like, it's scary. But my thing is if you're going to develop these young guys, they need more minutes right now. Just averaging minutes, Moody, 16.9, Kaminga, 14. He, he's had a lot of DMPs also. And James Wiseman, 13.8. That's not like, that's not getting them development minutes, you know? And I think that's the important aspect of it is, and they need minutes with, you know, Moody meet, needs time on the court with Clay and, and Steph or, or 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 Draymond or something. It's not just let's just all play with Jordan Poole. Like I think that's kind of the problem with development with with coaches in general is they get a little bit more focused on the we have to win and some teams have to. Some teams can't afford this. I think the Warriors are not right now, but like when they get back on track, which I think we, they all we all think they will, they can afford to take a few losses, be the fifth seed. And, and, and make a finals run with their squad. But I think the in general side of it is just coaches need to play these young guys. This is a problem we've had with doc for a long time, you know, in terms of like, okay, 
Your guys go down. Now uh, Joel Embiid goes down. Now you got to play Paul Reed. You haven't played Paul Reed all year. You're expecting him to 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 be 25 to 30% of, of Joel Embiid. He hasn't touched the floor. You, you know who's looked decent recently, by the way? It's Charles Bassey, but we won't talk about that. Um, uh, yeah, he played pretty well last night. Yeah. yeah. Um, I so I on some level I agree with you. I don't I think that even the game time isn't as much the problem. I mean, I think it's just a matter of what does your, you know, you, the rest of your week look like if you're a veteran contending team versus a young developing team? Yeah, cuz you're how not real- you're not really practicing and how do you right. how do you get those guys the reps right. on the like, court? You know, can you get them out there with the two ways? Can you assign them to the G League team for an afternoon, get a yeah. practice in that way? I, I think that's really important and and underrated, especially like like you said, because we had a veteran team in Memphis. So like, how are we going to get these young guys those kind of reps, knowing that there weren't going to be a lot of practice reps after Thanksgiving? Yeah, right. I mean, just just a great point. Just you know, Kaminga takes these DMPs for like three straight games. Couldn't he? Wouldn't he have been better served been, been in Santa Cruz? Like I think there's some of that with 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 the thinking of that, and I think using the G League is something more teams need to do. I was in San Antonio; we did that a ton with Austin. I mean, we've we've had interns have to drive guys literally to from yeah. San Antonio to Austin to to take guys there and 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 go from from that. And I think you know, in in the ultimate side of things, though, is they need these guys at the end of the day when we talk about the Warriors, right? Like. They don't have Gary Payton the second. They don't have Otto Porter Jr. who played big roles for them, who are guys that obviously they wish they could have, but with the luxury tax and everything, they need these guys to pop. So they got to play at the end of the day. Like her is in that position where they have to play. They have to pop. And I think even if we know uh, uh, about, yeah, you know, you're not going to practice much, especially a veteran team, but that means these guys practice comes on game time. And, and, and I think that's more the, the challenge with it. I mean, this is the one thing in San Antonio, that was the other side of pop resting guys. Besides obviously getting rest for Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, and guys like that. It was also getting opportunities for other guys so that pop could see who we can depend on and what guys can do when they're in the game. And I think that's something that the, a lot of coaches aren't willing to do. And again, Pop has the security of like Thanos. I don't, I don't know. Like he yeah. can do whatever he wants right now. Um, but I think that's, but I think Kerr's at that level and I think he's got to give them more, more, uh, more minutes. I, so, but I think that did pop ever really do the line change thing? I mean, even when, uh, even when you had like Duncan and Manu or whoever sitting out, like they're still playing with Danny green and like Tiago splitter and like, you know, guys who put like NBA structure around them. And I think this is, I don't know how much of it is a Golden State roster thing versus how Kerr is running them out. I think it's just like putting all these guys together is almost doing is is doing them as much of a disservice yeah. as as right. Yeah, you know, Probably, I think yeah. Pop did a better job of like mixing and matching. Okay, you you get to run with the first team for a little bit instead of just like okay, young fellas, well, you've Pop, seen because Pop would early sub and sub twice a half on most right. of these guys, and coaches to this day still don't do that a lot. Uh, which I, I don't understand because every trainer I've talked to was like, yeah, that's totally better. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just but, smarter, but like, yeah. you know, we're not into that yet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're, we're not going to cross that, that level, but you're right, Seth. And, and that's kind of one of my bigger complaints is that, you know, these guys are running with this each other 
And that's not the way it's going to work out. There's going to be times where Kaminga needs to be on the court for Draymond Green, you know, and put him with the starters and put and put Kaminga in. Doesn't have to be at the start of the game, but whatnot. Like you, you're banking so much on Kaminga right now to decide whether you're going to extend Draymond Green at the end of the year or not. Like I think you need to actually give him those opportunities, and I think that's something that they've been a bit hesitant with with the Warriors. I don't know if it guarantees. I don't know if the kid's going to pull it off. But you need to know the information now so that, like, if you need to make the trade in February at the deadline, you know what you have, you know what you, you know what you want to keep, you know what you don't want to keep. And I think that's part of the game, too. John, would you say this is a one of the most common friction points between front office and coach? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, coaching is about today. Front office is about tomorrow. You know, that's, that's what it comes down to. And, that, and so this is a classic friction point of, you know, I trust my 34 year old veteran and I know what I'm going to get from him. And front office is like, yes, we know what we're going to get from him too. And that's why we want you to play the other guy. Uh, but uh, to answer your question, absolutely. I mean, it, it's funny that this is happening in Golden State because this seems like one of the places where the alignment is easiest just because of the history and the success. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, so I, I don't, I, I think, I don't even know if they're not on the same page. I just think that the ex- execution, it's just, yeah. it's just the execution yeah. in, in Golden State more. Yeah. And you wish the, I guess you do wish they had one more, like, you know, wh- whether it's DiVincenzo being healthy or if they still had Porter or just one more, like, yeah. Damian Lee, like somebody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, it goes back to when you said that Jordan Poole was probably their most recent, most successful development player the Warriors have been bad at this in developing players in the past besides Curry Clay and oh, and, and well, Draymond besides, and Looney besides, besides, the, besides their best besides besides their top four we can give Wiggins we could throw Wiggins in there too they've done a good job with with Wiggins but like a, a lot of their other guys remember just all the stuff uh Patrick McCaw uh Alonso Kenny uh uh McKenny excuse me Jordan Bell like all these guys were supposed to be the next uh-huh. Iteration of the Warriors, Jacob Evans, who I liked. Jacob Evans, just guys that have never panned out. Yeah, for them, like, are the Warriors just bad at this? I don't know. I mean, those guys you talk about were all late picks. I mean, Jacob yeah. Evans, that Jacob Evans pick, people were, everyone was like, really? Like <laughs> there? <laughs> like, I, I, I'm not sure other teams had him in, in their top sixty. To be honest, um, the uh, um, McCall was a little interesting because he he did have some. Ability now, Toronto couldn't get it out of them either, and they're very good at player development. Um, so maybe it just wasn't going to happen no matter what. Um, Festus Azili kept getting hurt, so uh, you know, a mulligan on that one. I'm I'm, just for the name Festus, I just wish he was healthy, just so we could have said the Festus, uh, you know, it was so much fun. Yeah, and I think call him Festivus once a year, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But to be fair, I mean, it's it's a matter of, of focus. And, you know, you 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 know, even with the unlimited size of coaching staffs, there's still functionally a limit to the number of people you can have in the building doing stuff. And just by nature of it, if you're focused on winning a championship, you're you, you can't be at a 10 on development. Also, you can you can try, but like focusing on everything is focusing on nothing. But can you yeah. be? Can you be a six? Can you be a seven on development? Like, can you be better at what you're? I just think in in the grand scheme of things with teams, is 
you need this infusion of young talent slowly but surely to kind of start to 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 find those pieces and in, in, in how you're going through it. I think a ton of teams are great at player development. John mentioned Toronto. They're phenomenal at it. I think Miami, we even though they're struggling now, have done a great job finding guys and 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 putting them in their pipeline through things. I think there, there are teams we we obviously know the Spurs history with with everything they've done. I think it's just I feel like these these teams sometimes are a little bit more short-sighted and I get it and they should be we have Steph Curry you need to go win a championship right now but I think also at the same time is and it's not even thinking ahead it's but can I bring in a couple young guys that make it a little bit easier for Steph so he's not playing 37 38 a night he's got to drop 40 something to beat the Sacramento Kings like it's 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 those are the things that I, I I wonder about with these teams that are contending and not developing young talent okay on that note because nobody had anything left we will take a quick break and we'll be back after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Broker dealer. Oh yeah, that's my favorite saying. I had one coach, um, and he used to say, "Put yourself in situations where you're not in, you're not comfortable." Oh yeah, that's my favorite saying. It is a question uh, not related to the game, but since it has been a lot of publicity yesterday and today about Godfather Part Two, which is the the scene or or the moment or the phrase or the quote you like more from the movie? Oh, from The Godfather. Uh, um, it's too many different phrases uh, and too many different lines in that movie to just uh, categorize one. But which is the one which inspirates you? I mean, each movie is nine hours long. I mean, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I mean, there's so many. I don't know, I'll let you pick one and I'll roll with it. It's, it's a great trilogy. I watched the whole game. I seen the whole game. I was at home watching the game, and you know, I said he was going before the game even started. When I seen, uh, I said he was probably going to score seventy tonight. I don't, I don't know what made me say that. And my friends was with me, and they was like, okay, so 
when he got to like 70, I, I was like, well, he might as well go for 80 now. So, I mean, I'm a fan of the game. 2% of Liverpool. How does that come about? I read about the, the, the franchise and, and, and how uh, amazing it is, um, you know, and I actually made a trip over, uh, you know, to Liverpool as well and, and, and see all the sights and, and the arena and, and everything. Um, so it was pretty, pretty unique. Yeah, Crouchy is actually a Liverpool legend. He used to play there. I don't know if you knew that. No, I knew that. No, absolutely. And I saw and I saw a clip of that, too. Um, I didn't get an opportunity to actually see the game live, but um, I saw that he was able to score one in the, in the, in the match the other day, and I thought that was, uh, was pretty unique, the fact that he would do that and also be with Liverpool Football Club. I've been listening to those guys for so long. I've been listening to those guys when I was my first year with the Heat in 2010. You can ask any one of my teammates back then. had no idea who the Migos was. <laughs> They were like cursing me out when I would play it throughout the weight room or play it throughout the locker room. I was like, I'm telling you, these guys are next. I'm letting you know right now. They like, turn this off. I never, I never wanted this for you. I worked my whole life. I don't apologize to take care of my family. And I refused to be a fool. Dancing on the string held by all those big shots. Governor Corleone, something. Another pattern of Anta. And we're back to Nerder. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA show. She wrote the other topic we want to talk about. And Seth, you just wrote about this. Luka Doncic and the Mavs. Take it away with your favorite big word. Uh, heliocentrism, <laughs> is that the word you're looking for? It's too um, big for me. I never heard yeah, of it until you um, said it. I think um, I I, uh, I forget who I heard say this. It might have been Ben Taylor, but they they made the the comparison of, you know, to, to continue the analogy of of you know heliocentrism. Uh, the Mavs are a little bit like Icarus, and I think they're flying too close to the sun with what they're doing with Luca. It's it's been really effective. They have one of the best offenses in the league, but you see it time after time. You've seen it in the playoffs. You've seen it even this year's regular season that. He wears down, their offense wears down over the course of a game. And while it's largely worked this year, I'm wondering how much fool's gold that is. Because we've seen this over his career even, that if he has to do everything for three quarters, the fourth quarter tends to not be pretty. And I don't know what the solution is with their current roster, but I I just like for having a player of that talent as your core I just you have to do better around him, whether it's scheme, personnel, or both. Am I am I overreacting, or and, and John, or or is is this just? I, I it feels like an intractable problem for them right now. Uh, I would agree with that. And part of the problem, I think, is he's so good at the start of the game that you're just like, well, why wouldn't we just keep doing this, right? And then it doesn't catch up to him till later. And the other thing is. Right now, they don't really have a lot of other options. I mean, it's just Dinwiddie. And, you know, losing Brunson really hurts them, I think, because of that. Now, they're still a top 10 offense right now. You know, they've been able to do some stuff with Christian Wood with the second group uh, to get some offense that way. But, like, Luka's almost at 40% usage, which is totally insane. And, like, he's doing it while playing a lot of minutes, too. I mean – yeah, Giannis's usage is pretty high, but he the Bucks pick their spots with him a lot more in terms of just when he's even going to be on the court. And I just I just don't see how 80 games of this plus playoffs works. Uh, so maybe 
I mean, maybe if you're Dallas, you look at your team and you say, well, this is this is the way we get into the top six, and it's the only way if we don't care what happens after that. But you gotta yeah. aim higher if you're starting yeah, with this I mean, he just, player. He I mean, but but we've seen it time and time again with him too, that when he has these really high usage first halves, he does tend to run out of gas late in games. Um we saw it even in the playoffs last year, you know, what the second Phoenix game, I think, where yeah. he was basically out on his feet. Uh, and, you know, he was able to come back and, you know, had an awesome game seven and they won the series. But I, you you know that that's a thing. And I don't think that's a thing that's going to get better as he gets older. So it's you, almost like a team you game plan it. You know, hey, we just got to weather Luca's first half. Yeah. Let's get into him. Let's try to tire him out. We just got to make it hard. Because we know in the fourth quarter he's going to be gassed. And you mentioned, John, that they're top 10 in offensive rating right now. They're 15th in fourth quarter offensive rating, right? They're, yeah. it, it drops four points, which, you know, it's still, it's tough. And I think the, just the game they lost to Orlando says it all. Spencer Dinwiddie was phenomenal. He had 27 points. Nobody else scored double digits on that team. And granted, no Christian Wood, but like, there is no help. And why does this keep yeah. happening to the Mavs? We saw this with Dirk Nowitzki, you know, for a long <laughs> period of time where they didn't. It's like a re history. You know, if you don't learn from it, you're doomed to repeat it. It's they're repeating the same mistakes. And it's it's yeah. frustrating in I that think, sense. I think it, it's going like it's kind of contrary. I think the league has really started to to understand the importance of having multiple ball handlers, multiple decision makers, multiple playmakers. They don't even have to all be stars. Just like everybody on the team can, can go and catch like, you know, it's, that's, I feel like that's not to, you know, continue the, the let's salute Utah, but aside from maybe like Rudy Gay, like everyone in their rotation can, can, you know, including Walker Kessler, who's got like more ball skills than we thought he did can like catch the ball on the move and like, keep an advantage and make a play random shot at Rudy Gay for not being able to catch though. Damn. Don't have to, I mean, no, he's, he's just, he's a very stationary player. I, I like it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. But like the, like for me, it's like the most obvious move in the off season was why didn't you go after, why didn't you get Goran Dragic? Right. Like in your level, doesn't have to be a superstar. doesn't have to be a star, but he would make a difference even on this team to just take, five or six possessions off of Luca's yeah. plate. Like just yep. as simple as that, like sim simple things in, in, in that area, like that, that's the stuff I watch for. And the, the problem for the Mavs is Luca has to have that 40% usage. The only way they can win when you look at the way the roster is set up, like he has to be insane like that. It's just that simple. He's got to drop 30 each night for them to have a, a ability to, 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 to win games with the situation they put themselves in. When do they, when did teams start just doubling him at half court? Just being like, we think the rest of your team sucks and can't beat us even four and three. I mean, I think teams will wait till the, the second half and the, or, 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 or even the play. I mean, for sure in the playoffs is going to happen, but yeah. watch when they play teams like new Orleans, they have a pesky dude like Alvarado who's just going to pick him up full court. Cause he doesn't care, you know, mm -hmm. and just has boundless energy. And I think that's going to be more, even more what we see is just, Hey, we're picking Luca up full court and make him work the entire way up the court. Just like, imagine they play you like, sorry, they play Utah in a series and it's like, Jared, okay, Jared Vanderbilt. Go. There you go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just like, you got him. That's, that's it. Yeah. And we'll worry about the rest later. And I think it's just, it puts so much. And Luca's unbelievably talented. Like, he can do amazing things in these situations. 
But like, I don't blame him when he gets tired in the fourth quarter. He had to do everything else. And I think that's, that's the problem. And he has been pretty good, but it's not enough for everything that they have. The, I thought Tim Hardaway might be able to kind of level off somewhat of the loss, loss of Jalen Brunson. That hasn't come to fruition yet. I think they, they just have so many challenges with what they got. And Seth, to your point and, and, and to a larger point, I almost feel like the teams have gone complete, getting away more from heliocentric offense in general. I think we're seeing more offenses have more movement and more, you know, not just two ball handlers, but more cutting behind it and, and proper screening and things like that. Look at what the Cavs are doing, but uh, besides your favorite team, Utah, it's uh, the Warriors deal. You know, the, the, the Spurs are running actual offense. It's it's you're seeing more and more of this stuff. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking that heliocentric offense might slowly die away. And, and, the Mavs are going to have to find a way to get to get with the program. Even even like one of the like you know the the Mount Rushmore of of you know sent like ball dominant stars. The most impressive to me stretch of James Harden's recent career was that first little stint in Brooklyn, where you'd watch the games and he would he would play. I'm gonna not to be hyperbolic. He played like Jordan McLaughlin. Like the first, <laughs> like the first two and a half, three quarters of the game where he's just like, he's getting the spots, he's dishing, he's setting people up. And then the fourth quarter starts, he's like, okay, my time. And because he's, he's kind of, he's, he's, he's got energy left. And then he's just absolutely devastating once he flips that switch and like everything. I don't know. I mean, let me, John, let me ask you this. How much of this is the roster and how much of this is just, this is just the way Luca Luca can play. I do think this is the way that Luca has always played and the way he wants to play. You see it with Slovenia national team. You see it saw it with Real Madrid. Like he just wants to slowly dribble the ball up with the ball in his head. Because the other thing that would help Dallas obviously is running a fast break, you know, maybe like once a game, try it just to see. Um, but, you know, he just he just wants to have the ball in his hands and have the whole thing mapped out in front of him. But there's there still has to be secondary threats off of that, and and that's that's where I think Dallas really struggling. Like, can you just give him a couple of possessions where he just gets off the ball and then hangs out at the top of the key? Somebody's maybe face guarding him or whatever, and and the other guys can can play. And they, like Dallas can't even do that really. I I just think they're screwed. I just think they're in a situation with him. And you're right. This is how how Luca wants to play. But I almost think you need a point to point out to Luca. Look how everybody who's played this way in recent years and what they've done, you know, in terms of winning championships. Like at what at what point? I think we're heading this situation where Luca very well might end up being the MVP with the 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 scoring and yes. everything that he's doing, and then yep. them getting knocked out in the first round. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's it, definitely it, on the table. Like yeah. I think that's the most plausible scenario with everything that I see. It's an easy team to scheme against. And heliocentric offenses are very easy to scheme in the playoffs more than anything else. And then I just think at a certain point, he doesn't have enough help. And again, I don't think they have enough in terms of assets and things to be able to put together a package to get him help. You know, like my favorite scenario is like trade for AD. I have no idea how they get Anthony Davis, <laughs> right? Like yeah. in that in, trade in, for John Collins. You know, I don't even think they have enough to get John yeah. Collins, Seth. Like what does, what does, who do they have that Atlanta yeah. goes like, oh, yeah. we need them, you know? And I think yeah. that's an important you trade thing. Finney, like uh, Dorian Finney-Smith? Like, Finney-Smith would be the guy, yeah. yeah. But I don't. But then you're really hurting yourself defensively. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. now exactly. you're just – now you're yeah. making the move 
ants Robert dig Peter yourself to into night. Yeah. yeah. See, look at you with fancy stuff there, phrases like that, John. That's why we bring you in to, to, to cover for us here on Murder. I, cl- I class the place up is what you're trying to say. Yes. I, well, we know that, I don't that is a disturbing. Any. That is a disturbing <laughs> and true statement. Sadly. That's, that's how low the bar is here with us. Um, what else around the league's kind of caught your eye? Just in general, let's let's riff here for the next few minutes, and then we'll wrap up. So, I, the other the other thing I wrote about in my column this week was the scoring around the league, and I want I, I John, this mm-hmm. is another thing I, I kind of want your. This seems like the offense has been usually it's the other way around, but the offenses have been ahead of the defenses. Yeah, for much of the start of this season. Um, wh- why do you like from what you've seen? Why do you think that is? I'm not sure. I have a great explanation <laughs> which is why i've kind of been skirting this topic a little bit because i'm i'm a little puzzled because like you said usually defense has the advantage at the start of the year uh i i do wonder if somehow having a real off season finally helped and i don't i don't i can't quantify exactly how but i feel like maybe that was a factor i don't think the take foul rule came up enough for it to have this material and impact uh, I, I do think teams are offensive rebounding more and that helps probably a little bit um, that like they're committing more people to the offensive boards, which a creates more fast breaks for the other team and B increases your own odds of scoring on a possession. So there's some of that, but the magnitude still shouldn't be this large. And, and that's the part that's puzzling me a little like, and it's, it's gone on long enough that I, we can't just say noise. Is it as simple as there's never been this many guys who can play in the league? Like it, you, we used to, we, we've been in a spot where, you know, think about 10 years ago, how many, all right, we've got our three offensive guys. And then these guys are, you know, we have, uh, we have been, then the rest of the guys are middle linebackers. Yeah. You know? Uh, well, I do think we've gone more toward uh, drafting and filling out rosters for offense rather than for defense. Um we're not, we've gone away from like, well, I need to look down my bench and see three seven footers at, right, at all right. times, you know? And, <laughs> and, and three so six feet guard backup point guards. We need uh yeah. Yeah. And so we've, we've definitely gone to more of a skilled league, I think. And they're like all the guys, all the guys who would have dragged down offense in the past, like most of them aren't on the court anymore. Like they just can't, they just can't ever get on the court in the first place. You're like the cost of playing non-shooters is just too high now uh, in most cases. So I, I think there's definitely some of that. You just, you just don't see the Bogans anymore. Almost. Oh, Keith, man, he's my guy. <laughs> like the closest you get to that is like a Tory Craig or something like that. Right. Yeah. Right. But he's, I mean, he started last night because Phoenix's real power forwards are out, but like he's a, t- you know, he's an eight minute player most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, a, a tough one there. And I just think I'm going to be sad because I do think we need to have a little more defense in terms of just guys actually defending and being two-way players. Like Paul George had a great two-way sequence last night against the Lakers. And I think the, the fun thing I'm enjoying about Jason Tatum's leap, although the defense in general hasn't been good for Boston is he's taken up the challenge defensively as well as continuing to score and, and all of that stuff. But I think that's going to worry me about the league a little bit is that we've gone we're we're going too far just all in on offense. And and I think the smart teams will add a few defenders there and 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 try to find the two-way players. And I just even hate the phrase two-way player 
because that's just a fucking basketball player. Excuse my language. Um, that's the way it's always been is football is a one way sport. Uh, basketball is two ways. You got to do both. Um, and it, it frustrates me. But I think that's I think that's the, the more point, Seth, is that just the talent across the league and the, all these guys so offensively focused. That could be, I, but I, I, I do like you bring up the, the, because I think so many of the guys we think are, we're, we're, we've been appreciating for playing well this year. It has been on both ends. I mean, I think we've, we've talked, I think we talked last week about like Donovan Mitchell in that, that Boston game said last week where they, they beat oh. the Celtics in overtime, like Donovan Mitchell had like five, like outstanding defensive plays and was like locked in on that end, like marketing has been, I think it started last year with marketing being him holding up as, as a three last year defensively. So I think a lot of the guys we're appreciating aren't just like guys who are going out and getting buckets. They're Ben Mather and aside. Um, they're, they're guys who are, who are doing a little, a little bit like who are, who are contributing on both ends. And just to plug my own stuff, Donovan Mitchell's defense was on my one Mo thing this week because I found it to be most interesting with just how he's improved defensively. And it's, it's an effort thing at the end of the day, more than anything else. And w- what we saw in Utah, like he's locked in defensively and you can, you can see it. He may not always be in the right spot, but he's trying. And that's kind of the first step defensively for me, at least on that end. I think that's enough guys. I think we've, we've, I think we've made it. I think we did a a, a good job without uh, uh, Dave, although he would have probably ended and landed the ship much better than me uh john thank you for coming through you got anything else coming out uh on the athletic i know you just wrote something on yeah i mean i got you know i have my week that was every monday so i'll uh that will definitely be coming out and then i'll see if something inspires me between now and then there we go so go check out his stuff on the athletic seth just wrote a piece on his uh nba look around on the athletic yes seth is more than a pretty face he can write as well And then go check out one more thing, Donovan Mitchell's defense. It's a stark contrast to what he was defensively for the Utah Jazz last season. Donovan Mitchell's going to switch on to Jason Tatum. Celtics are trying to set up an ISO. And Mitchell's going to do a great job. Thank you, folks, for hanging out with us. And that's it for Murder. Hello, and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. She wrote. Carnival, this is a ride you get to take for free. It's just begun, it's so much fun, so jump aboard and you will see. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.